0: Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast where we are currently talking about the chalice of the gods. Today, we are joined by a famous former Seaweed Brain guest for the first time in a long time. Be so excited and stick around. Seaweed Brain listeners, can you guess who it is? Can you guess
1: who's in the virtual
0: studio with us today? Ola, say hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome back, Ola. You have opened the Chalice of the Gods.
2: I have found, maybe, lost the Chalice of the Gods. Wait,
0: did you lose (laughs) your copy of the book? No. Oh, you were doing an in-book joke. A bit. I was doing a little bit. I was doing a little
2: bit. I'm sorry. I should have been more clear. (laughs) I bought it on Apple Books. I read on my phone now because I'm so fucking...
0: Oh, I said I wasn't going to swear. You're developing iPad face? Is that what you're (laughs) trying to give yourself?
2: I literally have iPad face. I look like I'm an iPad baby. I read on my screens. I am always attached to a screen nowadays. It's disgusting. (laughs) I love you,
0: first of all. Second of all, I'm Erica. joined, as always, by Carter. Hi, Carter. Hi. And today, we are on chapters 7 through, I think, 10 of The Chalice of the Gods. Ola, how far are you into this book? How do you feel about it? This is your first time reading a new Percy Jackson book, I'm guessing since the end of The Heroes of Olympus. And this is your first time on the podcast since sometime in the middle of Heroes of Olympus. So,
2: Yeah, I haven't been on the pod in a really long time, mainly because I, I just don't have any to read those books right now. I'm... <laughs> Like those books, time you mean reading. The Trials
0: of Apollo, right? Yeah,
2: I, I don't have it in me to commit to that. It's
0: amazing that we found the strength.
2: I'm proud of you for doing it because I was like really worried that I was going to buy The Chalice of the Gods and have no motivation to read it. But thankfully, one, you invited me on the podcast, which forced me to read it and get it as soon as it came out. And two, I got a fourth <laughs> wing and I wanted to get back into the fantasy type groove.
0: Rebecca! So, Re-
2: Miss Rebecca snatched what little hair I have on my head and has left <laughs> me with a gaping fourth-wing-sized hole in my heart. Oh my gosh, wow. So, so you would, you would recommend it? Gods, yes, yes, I would recommend it. I would recommend it. I, I think you should you should get it, and that's what you should do this weekend. Besides watching the Michigan-Michigan State game, you should read fourth-wing.
0: <laughs> I don't even have a bit to respond to that, Oli. You know I'm not watching a football game. I know. That's a- <laughs> I know. I <laughs>
2: know. I know. It was a gamble.
0: <laughs> okay. I, Fourth Wing, one of my friends, um, former bookseller co workers, um, the, the sweet and amazing Gabby Gonzalez, who I basically read everything she recommends, currently reading that book. So these are now two very strong votes for Fourth Wing.
2: I like read it really slow. Like I literally took a several month break in between when I only have like nine pages, nine chapters left because I was like, I don't want to live in a world where i'm not reading this book yeah and finally i was a greedy little truffle pig and i just read it one saturday morning in bed when i was really cozy and i regret it but that's okay because i have got <laughs> shots, which brought me is back is it like
0: the setup for a, a series
2: uh yeah it's gonna be a five i believe five book series the second one comes out on november 7th Ooh, uh- i'm going to a midnight launch party <laughs> My local bookstore, and there's going to be like craft cocktails and games and stuff. I
0: had no idea this book was that popular.
2: Liv is even more obsessed with it than I am. Like Liv has read it three times now because she loves it so much.
0: I deeply trust Liv, so I will definitely put it on reserve at the library.
2: It's Liv's favorite book. Like Liv is nothing without fourth wing now.
0: Are there gay people in it?
2: Yes, there's non binary characters, characters of color, queer characters, enemies to lovers, <laughs> really well done enemies to lovers. There's dragons. It's about fucking dragons. And you know me, you know how I love dragons. So I, I should live with love that. Dragons. Oh, there's so many dragons. There's good lore. Also,
0: dragons are real for the record. Yes. They existed. Rick confirmed it. How could so many cultures across the globe all believe in dragons, right? They just went extinct.
1: You mean dinosaurs? <laughs>
0: exactly! Dragons chickens. We're just flying. To- oh, and chickens. Okay, and what we're here for today is to talk about Percy Jackson. That was Jackson. an
1: amazing transition. Wow, Yeah. Ola, chickens. <laughs>
0: today is all about... Chickens. Um, because Percy Jackson and Rick Riordan, and um, I believe I'm vaguely misquoting this, but according to Rick himself, I'm really scraping the bottom of the Greek mythology barrel these days. So we are talking about regular old chickens, baby. Oh, before we dive in, though, we have one more business thing to do, which is that we are long overdue to think our patrons, because this podcast, as of January 2023, has a Patreon. I'm working on building it out, making some new tiers, creating some fun new perks for people who choose to support the show. So I'm going to go ahead and read off the names of our patrons. And I'm just going to do first names if your real name is in here, just, you know, for privacy reasons. Okay, let's go. Thank you, Jason, who just signed up today. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, Electric Circus, Emily Rose, Audrey, it's a secret. Ooh, um, vibing Andy. Thank <laughs> you so much, Andy. Caitlin, NM Flames16, uh, Nicholas Miller. Thank you, Nicholas Miller, Theseus, um, Anamika. Hi, Raymond, uh, Micah, Joanna, Noah, Darian, Olivia, Brian, Dylan, DeLuca. That's my sister's boyfriend. You, you get a full name shout out. Zoe, <laughs> Tree, um, Luna, uh, Majken. I am sure I didn't pronounce that correctly. Thank you so much. Abby, Grace, Coda, Jenna, Brenda, Tess, Seth, Livy fruity fruity judy Abby <laughs> Re Haley Elizabeth Charlie hi Charlie Window Wells and Robert our good friend Robert thank you all so much for for being patrons and if you too want access to monthly bonus episodes and other cool things like maybe free merch and maybe future access to our outlines you can go and check out our patreon ooh ooh okay that's done let us move into Chapter 7. Where did we last leave off, Cart?
1: I believe we last left off after just having met Hebe, correct?
0: Yeah, we met Hebe. We're in the karaoke bar, talking about nostalgia, slandering boomers, etc. Oh, <laughs> were you also like shocked at how much Rick was willing to slander boomers? Yeah, he went
2: in into an intergenerational war. I was <laughs> shocked. I feel like he kind of used the boomers as a parallel to the gods because their parents would be boomers. So it felt like he was like really throwing in some like fuck adults, fuck authority fuck the gods type energy, and I
1: loved it. I believe that is what our lovely guest last week also said about this. That they feel Uh, like a
0: (laughs) representation of the gods.
1: That the gods are boomers, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And if you think about Percy as a millennial, which Rick can lie all he wants, Percy is a millennial. (laughs) Percy is a millennial.
2: He is not Gen Z. (laughs) Then
0: his parents will be boomers. Although Percy, like, Percy is a millennial, but he's also, like, the president and founder of Gen Z, you know? Because, like, without Percy, there would be no Gen Z. We would not have the personality we have without him, you know?
1: That's on causal yeah. inference
2: right there. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
2: Percy is to the Gen Zers as Harry Potter is to the Millennials.
1: I
0: really I I really stand by that.
1: And I, I really do. Yeah. And millennials, sorry about it. Um, like
2: it- <laughs> Tuspers is the warrior guest. <laughs>
0: You can choose <laughs> Warrior Cats regardless of your generation. It's, it's timeless.
1: <laughs> Long-time listener of the podcast might remember that the Warrior Cats are um, my enemies. And also but... our friend
0: Jack's favorite book series growing up. <laughs> Oh, something, I guess, you know, plot important. We find out that Hebe has to be the youngest person in the room at all times. She refuses to be out younged. And as they're chit-chatting, she kind of figures it out herself that Ganymede sent these demigods to her because he lost his chalice and thinks that she stole it and she gets pissed. And she also calls him, quote, an upstart little witch, end quote. (laughs) What was that about? I feel like no one has ever called anyone a witch as a replacement for the B word in one of these books. And we are calling a, a very specifically homosexual character, <laughs> an upstart little witch. I feel like Rick wanted to say twink. I, yep. Mm.
2: Yep. Mm. He used witch I
0: think like he wanted slur. to say
1: Fa, Oop, queen. <laughs> 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 there are some deities in the Greco-Roman canon who are, are witches, who do magic. Yeah. Ganymede is not one of them. No,
0: that is not the context this term is being used in. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, right after she says that, she bursts into a storm of rainbow glitter. You know how mm-hmm. last week Carter was like, oh, Ganymede burst into a pile of glitter? Gay. She said, don't out-gay me. My <laughs> glitter will be a rainbow. The post-Marco Shiro effect. Yes. She does her magic.
1: She does her magic. We should also note that the pure plot that's happening in this is that Percy basically accuses her of stealing. She has figured out what they're there for, even though they're supposed to be being discreet and keeping it a secret because no one knows that the cup was stolen. It is in a fit of rage that she blasts away and we go off into the next chapter to find...
0: They've been turned into younger versions of themselves. This is so precious. They got young. They got younged, but like younger than we've ever seen them, which is cute. Shall we read a quote? Page 56. I didn't really understand what had happened until Annabeth groaned and sat up. She too was swimming in her two big clothes. Her face, well, look, I would know Annabeth's face anywhere. I love her face, but this was a version of her I'd never seen before, except in a few old pictures and dream visions. This was Annabeth the way she'd looked soon after she'd arrived at Camp Half-Blood. She'd regressed to about eight years old. Several pages later, Annabeth stood up shakily. It was strange seeing her as a younger girl. I had an irrational fear that she would yell, gross boy cooties, and run away from me. I just thought that was funny because I think that they were gross boy cooties era when they first met. A
1: bit, (laughs) yeah. It's not that much younger. They met when they were 12, and they are... Obviously, we don't have an exact age, but like the estimate is like maybe nine ish now, right? Um,
0: you drool when you sleep is very like gross boy cooties core.
1: It is mm-hmm. the thing that I kept writing down as we were going through these chapters is this is one 30 minute episode of a Disney Channel television show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Specifically, like, yes. I had like, you know, Phineas and Ferb has done the like Got Younged episode. I'm almost certain that Wizards of Waverly Place would have done a you just got younged episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the the tropes, the joke patterns are things that feel very familiar and are establishing more firmly that even while we are in kind of the the meat of the action. W- what is the tone? What are the stakes? The stakes and the tone are light, fun, frothy. Sitcom. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's very There's hijinks. hijinks. There's hijinks.
0: This book is a big hijinks. A hijink singular. <laughs> wow. Phineas and Ferb, are we, uh, are we starting to talk about Phineas and Ferb on our Patreon? I'm really so excited. excited. <laughs> We're literally starting a secret second podcast about Phineas and Ferb just on our Patreon. I um, want to be
2: on it so badly. That oh, sounds yeah. so fun.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm starting my rewatch tonight. I'm so excited. Anyway, chickens, right? Hens. So uh, these are, again, I cannot stress how normal these animals are. These are not magic animals. These are not Venice dogs. They're not owl bears. They're not flying bison. (laughs) They're just hens. In antiquity, like, hens were supposedly found in Hebe's temple, um, where it was, like, chickens were found in Hercules' temple because they were married up in Olympus. The roosters. roosters
1: are at hercules's temple oh my god and don't the, the ask me about
0: are. science <laughs> it's not science wait are they They're all different chickens? words
1: for different sexes of chickens.
0: are they all chickens yeah it, So yes, chicken is, is ungendered
1: it is a, yes the chicken is the name of the species within the species we have different english words for the the male and the female of of the species and they are roosters and and hens respectively
0: Remember that meme that was like, imagine asking an actor a question, meanwhile they're literally stupid.
1: No, <laughs> no. that's me. I'm Harry Styles. Was the movie cinematic, <laughs> Erica?
0: Um. <laughs> um, it really felt like a movie. This really felt like a chicken. <laughs> Heebie jeebie is like a temple, I guess, to Heebie. So there's yeah. a coop of chickens here. Oh. <laughs> favorite part about the hijink episode here is how so everyone gets turned younger and Grover becomes a kid haha because that's also the name of a young goat but he can't stop like headbutting Percy and like trying (laughs) to like rough house and like wrestle him and he's like I don't want to be doing this does anyone want to read this interaction with me I'll be Grover oh would you like to be Percy and yeah I'll be be okay (laughs) oh dude why sorry sorry I I need to play I'm practicing social dominance in the herd.
2: He butted me in the chest again. This is going to get old real quick.
1: Right now, I'd love to get old real quick. Let's keep going.
0: (laughs) Young Grover just like uncontrollably headbutting Percy is so So funny. It's so. This is what I mean. Like
1: the 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 way that they like they're like 50% intellectually regressed to being nine year olds. You know, it's like it hurts their head to think really hard. Yeah.
0: Here's a little quote about that. It's hard having ADHD. But now I remembered how much harder it had been when I was younger, before I'd learned how to channel my focus, control my fidgeting, or for all practical purposes, even operate my own body. I think this is a little nod towards the idea of getting older and how, as sad as getting older is and how much we love being young, there are like positive things that come with getting older and with time, like learning how to self regulate and gaining control over your body.
2: Yeah, this was tugging at my heartstrings like when he's talking about how hard it is to be eight again and like his like struggle with just being different than other kids. I was like this is going to resonate so much with those former gifted kid ADHD burnout people. I was like, there's a 30-year-old that's going to read this and fucking post this quote on their Instagram story, and they're going to (laughs) just lean into the fact that their ADHD is a superpower. And I was like, Rick is writing to all of the recently diagnosed late ADHD crowd and they're going to eat this shit up with a spoon. They're
0: going to love it. Literally. Oh, They run out into Times Square. They don't get older. So they realize they have to go back and find Hebe. So commercial break. This is the moment where that would happen. And then they run back in. They have a conversation with the manager who looks like a child. Turns out she's 60. Because they lodge a quote unquote age-based complaint Um, she decides she has to unleash the killer chickens onto them. Again, they're just normal chickens as far as I know. (laughs) But the the gag is that chickens are frightening. Um, Chickens are dinosaurs. Chickens are very scary. And so we have to run from the chickens. I personally would say I'm relatively scared of chickens. Uh, What what would you both say about
1: that? We grew up somewhere where there are like wild chickens just around.
0: Oh, my neighborhood especially.
1: Yeah, if you're like in the parking lot for a hike or getting takeout somewhere that's like 20 minutes mountain side of the freeway there's there's chickens oh i didn't
2: know that that's interesting
0: almost every time i've almost gotten into a car accident it's because a family of chickens has been crossing the road <laughs> i i will pull the brakes like i'm that you're not supposed to do that that's what they teach you in driving school Wait, you put
1: like the parking brake for chickens no like
0: i will like i will slam on the oh. brakes oh, okay. <laughs> but like you're, they tell you you're not supposed to stop like if you're on the highway or something you know that's. I remember learning that in drivers ed. Yeah. They were like, you have to. You're keep not supposed going. to certainly
1: come to a complete stop. Yeah. The chickens will get out of the way.
0: You tell that to the chickens <laughs> in Kailua. I've told you before. My 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 best friend, who still lives in um the neighborhood we grew up in, she always said that it was a it was a um ploy by this uh company called Alexander Baldwin and Baldwin that owns a lot of the land in my neighborhood and also <laughs> all in Hawaii that they put all the chickens there on purpose to make the neighborhood feel more rustic and appealing to tourists.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs>
0: I don't know if I'm allowed to say that.
1: Big chicken. (laughs) You aren't saying that it's true. You are saying, many people are saying that Alexander and Baldwin um, mm, mm,
0: are big chicken.
1: Are big chicken. Alexander and Baldwin are big chicken. Yes, 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 yes.
0: (laughs) 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 It's only half a joke, you guys. We should talk more about Hawaii. um, Land ownership. Land ownership. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Boop. Oh, what's scary also about the chickens is that Percy pulls out his ballpoint pen. (laughs) Quote, I pulled out my ballpoint pen. These chickens want trouble. I'll give them trouble, which was probably my worst heroic line ever. The pen doesn't work, so he has no sword. So we have to uh, resort to good old fashioned run. Running. That's so hijinks I yeah. This is like musical montage running through every different room. Well, they're playing the chicken song. Yeah, I'm thinking like one way or another, I'm gonna find you. And the chickens are like,
2: and like they have the different like panels where their chickens are going one way and the kids are going the other way. Yes,
0: yes. And they like pop their heads up out of the ball pit and they look in different directions and they go back underneath <laughs> and then the chickens pop up somewhere else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is basically what happens. And we are going to take an ad break here.
1: All right. We're back.
0: We're back. I have, a, I have an unpaid advertisement to include today long-time listeners of the podcast, guests at our uh, live show may know, we work with Fandom Forward, which is an awesome nonprofit organization. They do different campaigns that have to do with different fandoms. And right now they're putting together basically like a voting voter rights campaign, making sure people get registered to vote, making sure people vote. Because even though voting does not solve all our problems, it can help us to quote unquote, save our progress of where we are right now. So that's the name of the campaign. It's called Save Our Progress. If you want to get involved, um, they're having an event. It's a free conference Saturday Saturday, November 4th at 2 p.m. I'm going to put the link to where you can sign up for that free conference in our show notes.
1: As the Nintendo Wii menu says, all progress not saved will be lost.
0: Exactly. Make sure you register to vote.
1: Also worth noting related to this campaign, it's 2023. Many municipalities have elections in 2023. You might have elections in 2023, even though it is not a quote unquote election year. So check your registration for this year in particular.
0: Conclusion of PSA. Chapter nine, (laughs) the chickens draw first blood. Oh, I see your note now. You wrote, classic original trio hijinks. It's giving Disney Channel not horror. I'm assuming that was you, Carter.
1: Yes, it was me. Literally, like, we talked about the ball pit earlier. Like, the <laughs> they immediately run away from the chickens into a play structure in a ball pit. Listeners, many of you are as ancient as we are. But for some of you, Crusty. you might not know what is being described here. The idea of <laughs> a full... <laughs> play structure in a ball pit used to be in many many mcdonald's across america this is like the a play palace. House.
0: don't they still have <laughs> I, they still have that in the mcdonald's in kailua
2: there's a mcdonald's right by my house on 11 mile that has that oh okay, so they still exist
1: yeah they still they exist? Have, okay oh man a lot of them got phased out or like especially like a you'd lot think it'd be a, be a
2: health violation. violation i live in the suburbs now there's so many of them in the suburbs
1: Okay. 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 Maybe okay. we
0: just got phased out of the suburbs, Carter.
1: Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Talk about getting older.
0: Talk about growing up.
1: That was Inception right there. I okay. <laughs> if if, there, if you're in a McDonald's that was renovated after like 2005 in like a big scale way, it's not there anymore. But I guess a lot of them still have them, which is maybe wow okay i was like i don't know if i'm gonna have to explain this reference but maybe not maybe that was all uh, unnecessary anyway that's the energy that we have here we 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 have like blockaded this they're like hold up these like three nine-year-olds inside of like presumably one of those like little tunnel things going between the two parts of the um the the play structure strategizing we're gonna read a quick quote Annabeth's eyes blazed with intensity. I could see how afraid she was, but I also knew she lived for these situations. She was at her most Annabeth when she was thinking her way out of an impossible predicament. So cute. Yeah. It's very lovely. Even
0: little kid Annabeth, you know?
1: Yeah. I feel like, honestly, especially little kid Annabeth, where you can, like, you know, like, like at that age, you can, like, see the wheels turning in them. You can be, like, it, it, like, they Mm -hmm. have to, like, sit down and, like, hurt their head. To, like, think about a plan. <laughs> yeah. But that's I what she's doing. I'm just
0: so happy to be back with Annabeth. I cannot stress this enough. Like, having Annabeth around to explain who everyone is, having Annabeth around to come up with a plan and you'll figure it, you're like, <laughs> you'll see what it's all about later, just go along with it. It's so relaxing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it is true. The, the, there's, like, a quick side here about hating Hercules because Hebe is married to Hercules, this is what we were talking about earlier with the, like, roosters and the hens. I just thought that that was important to flag because some people were, like, maybe rick forgot maybe rick is not on his hating hercules shit anymore but we re here that's very important and we were off we're like instantiating the plan specifically annabeth is not explaining this to us but she is telling us what to do which is that grover is going to go distract the chickens because he can speak chicken of course and uh, percy and annabeth are going to go grab a chick and we're going to do something in the temple
0: percy has no idea what's going on percy has and no idea what's going because on because we're in percy's perspective <laughs>
1: Um, grover grover corrects them when they say that he can speak chicken and he says technically chicken isn't a distinct language though many animal dialects sound just like chicken is this a joke about pigeon am okay, i wrong that's what, that is I, what I thought, I thought what, it was that's
2: what i thought too
1: i thought it was a good joke but i was also like i'm not 100 percent certain and also pigeon is like a f- not a fraud like it, it is a term that means multiple things in linguistics. Like a pigeon is a kind of communication that is like less distinct than a, two languages. But so, like that's one thing. But also, like there is specifically, like, what you say if you say pigeon, like I think probably like th- th- there are like many pigeons. Hawaii pigeon, at least, um, was recently reclassified as a language. I think this has been happening for a lot of like pigeons, oh, wow. like I, that. Like a lot of these, you know, like regional distinct forms of communication that people consider like informal. Less standard offshoots are now being recognized as having enough distinguishing features that they should be understood as languages rather than uh-huh. regions, Even though we still have that term from back uh-huh. when people were like, "This is like what we call a lot of these," so that's going to be the linguistic term to understand what this like classification uh-huh. is. Anyway, Grover, so interesting. I don't know if you're up to date with your your um, classification structures. Are you giving enough respect to the people who come from cultural histories of creating hybrid languages in order to communicate? But. but
0: Grover's like on the Council of Cloven Elders. So now he's probably the one who's like deciding what is a dialect versus a language. <laughs> 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 maybe he needs to rethink some things and like make a proposal.
1: Yeah, maybe. Anyway, shout out to that. Um, that shout was a out cool tangent. speakers. It was a good joke. Yeah. Wow. Um. Anyway, we're off. We're off to the races. As we're going off, Percy says, Percy, this is in his internal monologue. I wanted to flag this. Quote, I remembered some myth about a woman throwing golden apples behind her to slow down guys who were chasing her. So, okay, I found this very interesting. I don't know if anyone else paused on this. This is Percy's internal monologue. Does this make sense to all of us? Like, the the added nuance of this, I'm pretty sure he's referencing the myth of Atalanta, who was this, like, huntress woman, high-class princess who was also, like, kind of masked and didn't want to get married. And so she convinced her father to set as a challenge for her marriage that she would only marry a man who could beat her in a foot race. And she was a great athlete, and so she beat all the men. Until, eventually, this guy showed up with these golden apples from Aphrodite. In-, in the end, they do get married because this this guy throws the apples during the race, and Adelante runs off to get them, so she's still faster than her husband. But he, like, tricks her into marrying her, which is like a whole... That's like a common thing that happens in Greek mythology. The point is that Percy, like, is referencing mythology here to understand the situation. None of the players in the story are present. There are not golden apples present, but also he has misremembered the story. D- do we have thoughts about this? I just found this to be like such a rich throwaway line that tells us so often, much about where Percy is at this point in his life. He often misremembers he's like
0: myths, right? Like that he's like, yes. oh, Annabeth mentioned this one time, or like Annabeth told me about yeah. this, or Maybe I vaguely learned about this in school at Yan's Academy. Where
1: he's, like, trying and he's paying attention, but he's not, like, 100% right. And also, but, like, I think in this context, it's really funny because, like, there's no, like, it's not like he needs to remember this myth to survive or something. He's just free associating. Mm. And when I say he's free associating, like, what we really mean is that Rick Reardon. Wanted to include, yeah, this vague, not even accurate reference to this myth as an aside.
0: Someone just wrote a book about Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken.
1: That is a story that is yes. ripe for it's reimagining. Atlanta.
0: It's by Jennifer Saint. She also wrote um, Electra and Ariadne. Those are the names. Yes. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I actually do want to read that because that story that you just said that that myth is very inspiring. Because I too do physical activities just for the sake of hopefully in the future, being able to humiliate men in those physical activities. Yeah.
1: And the telling of the story is very fascinating because, like, the like most versions of the myth assume that she doesn't have an agency. Whereas I'm assuming the modern retelling is something about how, like, she... Like, she's a princess. She didn't need to chase the golden apples. What's really going on, you know? Anyway, Whoa. Percy and Annabeth are going off on their own. They get to the karaoke bar. They steal the chick, which, of course, bites Annabeth, draws blood. Horror? Oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. Is like, the way this was phrased, I was like, wait is this dramatic? Like, are the stakes high? I got confused for a second.
0: I was so confused. Yeah.
1: Literally a baby chicken. Like, as you pointed out, a not super, like a natural, regular baby chicken biting her. A nine-year-old, temporarily, girl in the hand. And she bleeds a little bit. But I was like, wow, what's...
2: It sounded like really traumatic as it was happening. Like,
1: it wouldn't let go of her
2: finger. And she was like shaking her hand around because it was hurting her. I was like, damn, he's getting them. The chickens are really getting them. I was like, this is like a really weird villain to have these chickens. (laughs) And then like like, he wrote about them, and I was like, these chickens sound demonic. These chickens are so scary.
0: And they're just normal chickens.
2: They're just normal chickens. Rick is just a little scared of chickens.
0: (laughs) I'm a little scared of birds. Like beaks, those are scary. You ever look at a bird's feet? Kind of frightened. Scary.
2: (laughs) I don't like looking at their tongues when they open their mouth and their tongue. They have tongues. And scary, yeah. Some birds have tongues, and they're really scary.
0: Okay. I'm gonna live Google chicken tongue right now, just just for the gag. It's probably gonna freak you out. Do chickens have tongues? Ah! 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 Is it scary? Get it all. It's not that bad.
1: Oh no, <laughs> I don't love it. It looks. They're like not as flat as human tongues, though, which is a bit strange. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Chickens.
0: Okay, I've learned a lot today.
1: Anyway, the point is that we're in the temple, we have the chick. Grover is like running up, closing the door. We're about to finally actually enact Annabeth's plan. Wow, it's
0: just like House of Hades. Closing the doors, spilling blood, the blood of Olympus.
1: (laughs) Exactly the same, but we are running away from 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 chickens into a karaoke bar (laughs) um good times that's about bringing us to chapter 10
0: check in with ola how do you feel about karaoke did you approve of the slander it was uh it was given in these in these chapters
2: i like okay i hate karaoke (gasps) i will say that because i once had a very traumatizing experience when i was on a cruise trip cruise ship for a spring break and me and my friend Aaron were forced to do karaoke and we sang and everyone was silent and no one clapped and our friends pretended no. not to know us. No. And I want you to know the entire karaoke room, anytime anyone was going, people were dancing and singing along and like cheering and getting really into it. And the entire room was silent when we sang. And I'm so sorry,
1: that, that's genuinely Since that day awful. I've hated
2: karaoke I used to love karaoke I hate it so much I'll never go, I'll never do it I'm never going to sing again It oh, broke no. me I even did Rich Girl by Hall & Oates White oh. people love that song White
1: people love that White song people a I,
2: I thought it was going to be a banger I was like, oh, they're going to be so into this Because you know, want to know The whole point of karaoke is to make other people sing with you like you right. want to sing Correct. a song that gets Group the whole bar numbers. to sing along a song along with for you. the room.
1: Exactly. Yes.
2: yes. And it was silent. So it was just, oh, it was traumatizing. It really, it really changed me as a person.
1: I will say, I think this highlights the point about karaoke bars versus karaoke boxes. Rooms. Yeah. Because if you were, I, I think you could have avoided this whole experience if you are just with like five, the five friends who actually knew, or however many friends you actually well, knew. Oh, they're not my friends anymore. They're
2: like my best friends, but they were not my friends anymore after pretending not to know us. It hurt. Real. It hurt. We came back to sit down and they got up and pretended not to know us.
0: That is so funny. Much that like Tinkerbell. I think that we should all applaud for Ola right now, wherever you are in the world listening to this. Cheer and applaud. It good. I can't sing.
2: <laughs> I know my weaknesses, Erica. You've never heard me sing. I would never desecrate I've literally never heard you sing. that you've spent dedicated your education to. I, have I would seen you never dance hurt though. you like that. You have seen me do the <laughs> renegade.
0: I have also seen you do a little 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 step snap West Side Story <laughs> in a parking lot. Anytime we've ever been in a parking lot, dare I say a little step snap West Side Story.
1: It's hard not too.
0: That's what parking wants are for. Um, West and yeah. chickens.
1: Period. Um. Okay, so we're we're in the karaoke bar. Rick opens this chapter with a little little. little this is wait. She's kind of the name of this
0: chapter because that's appropriate.
1: Oh yes, my singing makes things worse, and everyone is totally shocked. <laughs> so so we're in this bar, and Annabeth is saying, "Okay, we we need to sing. We need to pick a song, and specifically, we need to sing an apology song." Percy's first suggestion is a song, "Sorry Not Sorry." Can we pause? Pa- can we pause on this? In the Riordanverse, verse, Demi Lovato is a pop star of note. Wow. Let's celebrate that. Percy Jackson. I never, knows would, who have Demi any is. I never would have thought Demi of it any other
0: way. I never celebrates Demi
1: Lovato. I mean, I knew this in my heart, but to see it canon, kid. to know that Rick Riordan sat down one day and was like, you know who needs to be, you know who my pen needs to bring unquestionably and incontrovertibly into the canon of my (laughs) new york times best-selling work
0: demi Demi lovato Lovato.
1: and he was right for that anyway um they do not sing an iconic song by demi lovato which is unfortunate because they instead with with some fucking no name um podunk um (laughs) who's making fun of
0: john lennon right now just for the record
1: i'm making fun of john lennon i don't know who the beatles are i only listen to um korean girl groups um but see, but they in, did.
0: They did what Ola did. They knew that they needed to choose a song that would appeal to the totally. wider, more audience.
1: But we need to we need to pause and have a broader discussion about the song. Percy, okay. Let, there are like multiple versions of like how old is Percy? What year was Percy born in? What year was Sally Jackson born? in? there are multiple answers to this question. It's a bounded question, though. Like the earliest Percy could possibly be is that he was twelve in the year two thousand four, right? And if he's 12 in 2004, that means he was born in 1992. That's the earliest possible year he could be born in. Sally Jackson was not a teenager when John Lennon was popular. Also, how popular was John Lennon as a solo singer that an average American would, like, remember that song and pass that on to their their progeny? I have so many follow-up questions about this.
0: I think Rick is just saying that Sally is as quirky as he is, you know?
1: I just, I just found this writing, especially the idea that Percy and Annabeth are both just kind of like, at some level, like always a little bit thinking about the song Jealous Guy by John Lennon. And that when you think about apologies, that is obviously what both of these millennial slash zillennial slash Gen Z children would think of at a karaoke bar. When they're thinking, what is a song we sing about apology? Of course, John Lennon's demented, confused song about Perhaps like implicitly like a wrong he has committed in a relationship that is justified because um he was jealous. What? Is this not baffling? I was so confused by this, but like not in an angry way, but in a like, I'm very down to go along with this, but as long as we all realize that this is a little bit absurd, no?
0: I think it says more about Sally than it does about Percy and Annabeth, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, I think the fact that I know all the lyrics to Mr. Mistopheles says a lot more about my dad than it says about me.
1: (laughs) Wow. I always forget that Mark Ito is an Andrew Lloyd Webber enjoyer,
0: super fan. Mm. Super fan, <laughs> your
2: father daughter trip <laughs> with him looked really sweet, by the way. That warmed my head
0: a lot. It was really great, and it was made a lot more successful by the fact that Carter showed me how all of Japan works before my dad showed up so that I could show my dad how to get on a train, you know.
1: It's very helpful. <laughs> anyway, um,
0: no, that was weird. It was a weird song choice, but I also do know, like, what weird? Much- I mean, funny. I also know kids who are obsessed with John Lennon who are our age, I knew plenty of them.
1: I, shout out jd i think that there is like one person i've met who like in real life as a 13 year old would have been like oh you know what it's like a song about apology it's like this one song by john lennon anyway um yeah we said what we said um th- that's not a rule that's like um observation from one first person experience of being um uh, around teenagers um they're singing it's going badly it's going badly in the sense that specifically neither of them can sing um. <laughs> Quote, this is how you know you found true love when your significant other is just as bad at singing as you are.
0: That's so Rick and Becky coded.
1: It's so Rick and Becky coded. I've been thinking a lot recently about a Sarah and Phil Kay two person poem called When Love Arrives. Oh Do we know it? Oh my
0: God, let's talk Listeners, more about Sarah Kay. Oh, look, <laughs> you, did you know who Sarah Kay was growing up?
2: No, I don't think so.
0: Oh, you're about to know. They are I'm these two
1: people. Like their story is wild because they have the same last name. They have like very similar family histories, demographics, and they like met as undergrads. They are not related. They've never dated, allegedly. Um, allegedly. and they met as undergrads, um, because they were two people who signed up to do sal- slam poetry performance together at Brown at the first year talent show, and they just kept doing that. They like toured the country doing joint. Um, uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting the term. Stand-up poetry. That's the term. Slam poetry? Slam poetry. Slam poetry. Spoken anyway, words. Spoken words. Spoke hello.
0: Stand-up poetry. That's like the worst of both worlds.
2: That sounds horrible. If I had to go to a stand-up poetry show, I'd have to just,
1: I'd have to cease to exist. <laughs> they do stand-up as they're that's doing like that. That's like
0: the subtitle of Kyle Prue's memoir. It's like Kyle Prue colon stand-up poet
1: oh yeah yeah where it's like the yeah. the, the cover is yeah. like an image of someone like sitting on a toilet and like looking shocked at the photographer or something
0: like, like, <laughs> like, like or like a really up, a smart, like, like giving like, like
1: chelsea handler or something you know like um kyle for a friend of the pod okay <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the point that I was trying to make with the Sarah Kay comparison is that they have this like long poem that's basically just like, they are people who not that inseparably reference the Beatles, A. And B, they are like, the way that love manifests is that you are um, willing to predict a lot of things about what it will look like and that you will be wrong. And that I think that that is what the phenomenon that's being described here. That there's something very intimate about Percy specifically being like, I, I really appreciate that Annabeth is bad at this.
0: Oh, yeah, the running gag that 90%, sorry, I'm looking at, I keep referencing the notes and not mentioning, like, why I'm saying, oh, yeah, but, oh, yeah, bullet point, delightful running gag about how all oh, this is, like, 90% Percy's fault. But at least it's not 100.
1: <laughs> the comedy timing is tight here. Percy and they are arguing about this. It's delightful banter, and then Percy keeps recirculating this idea in different ways as things get more hijinksy. As the stakes escalate, when Hebe shows back up, she's like, this is terrible. You like insulted John Lennon's memory. And the person says something like, ha ha ha. Well, I was only responsible for insulting 90% of his memory or something. You know, like they're with it. I appreciate the, the, the pacing, the quickness. I believe they follow rule of threes here as well. Like Rick knows how to have a contained comedic moment, which is what's happening in this instance. Okay. We also have to point this out. This is not relevant at all to the plot. It is in parentheses. But Percy says, or like, rather, Percy writes, again, in parentheses, this is his own paragraph. I'd also like to point out that when I typed chorus just now, it initially autocorrected to curse, which seems right.
0: Wait, I completely missed this. What are you talking about?
1: The lore implications of this sentence.
0: (laughs) This is in chapter 10?
1: This is in chapter 10, page 75. I would say maybe 80% of the way down the page.
0: Oh my God.
1: Y'all. What? Percy Jackson has typed this book.
0: This is actually massive. Isn't this a
1: big deal? I thought that
2: too. Like it took me a while to get what you meant when I was reading the notes. Because I was like, what does this
1: even mean? But literally. Like we're not having a conversation with him or something. Like Percy is presenting this story to us. What is it? Like, does Percy have a publisher? Does he have an agent? He broke the fourth wall. Or is it even the fourth wall in the book? It's been in and out. Like, you might remember that Lightning Thief began with Percy saying, look, I didn't want to be a half-blah, blah, blah, If you're reading this and you think this might apply to you, stop, put the book down, run away. You know, like, that, that was there. The idea of breaking the fourth wall has basically not reoccurred since then. And even then, who's Percy's audience? Trying to think about the timeline
0: implications of this is kind of hurting me. Like my brain, like I, literally <laughs> like sparks shooting out of my ears right now because I immediately thought when you said that. First of all, do you all, think
1: twelve-year-old Percy was sitting at like one of those orange MacBooks that is shaped like a like a um, a triangle, like typing away the lightning thief?
0: I just, uh, <laughs> first of all, I can't believe I skipped over this parenthetical twice because I've now read this chapter twice. Wow, but my brain immediately went to okay. Percy's mom is now a writer. She has like a literary agent. She has a publisher. What if the lore is implying that after Sally became an author, she was like, Percy, you should write about your life so that other demigods can learn from you. Or he was like inspired by his mom, but that would make the timeline. Impo- like if you think about, like, you can, well, Sally you can never is a think writer, about the, first the timeline. Book came out in 2005. I know, but now my, my brain likes things to be neat. And now it's hurting. <laughs>
1: I just thought this was so fascinating. Like, so Percy's probably also using like a word processor.
0: He's typing is that on a mental image. It. We he's all have a had gen before? Z kid.
1: Well, like, a, either way, like, he's typing it into a document. You know, like, Percy is not like, I don't like this. is not a voice note. This is not um, a conversation. It's not Percy Jackson with Rick Reardon. You know, like, I just find this very really fascinating. But also, like, probably this was the explanation that many people had in their heads this whole time. It just was not what I was imagining.
0: I've I never thought about, about it, it. I've never <laughs> thought about it. Wow.
1: Anyway, Hebe shows back up because the John Lennon singing is so bad that she must stop them. And as this is happening, we're a little bit confused because we're in Percy's head. And we're like, okay, this apology is clearly not working. Is Annabeth's plan in danger? What are we trying to do? Are we just trying to plead with her until she eventually concedes? And then Annabeth, uh, like a page down this, sort of like wink, wink, nudge, nudges, Percy back in. And she's like, just keep talking. Continue... To buy us time, I totally missed this when I was reading. <laughs> the lore has planted the seeds for this. As Erica pointed out when we were recording this episode, Hebe says, "I think that this is a little bit of a of a, a cop out." A bit, she says that she always wants to be the youngest person in the room. What Annabeth, and I guess we have now seen the world interprets from that is that she must be. It is like a physical transformation that occurs to her, and so because the chick is two days old. She is younging herself to the point that she becomes a newborn.
0: It's giving sky high.
1: It's giving sky high. That is the reference. Okay, Percy's descriptions of this are so funny. He is referring to different dress hemlines and lengths to describe the fact that she is getting smaller. And that gagged me. I was like, Percy, do you know what a maxi dress is? No, you don't. What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is just something
1: that I've been marinating on all day.
0: If I ever um, meet Rick, I'm going to be like, describe to me in serious detail what a high-low skirt is. I know you can. You can see how
1: much he really knows about period pieces then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Her mini dress became a maxi dress, is the specific line. And they spell maxi correctly. You know, like, wow. He, Rick Riordan's a maxanista. He knows a hemline. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, Hebe, Hebe gets turned into an infant. She is completely incapacitated. Um, and Annabeth is just like, this was my plan all along. I did it. This is, this is giving you classic Annabeth. When she walks up to Hebe, the helpless, babbling infant, and says, here's what I suggest. She lays out what is gonna happen, and then she ends by saying, gurgle once for yes, poop yourself for no. I want that, that's the t-shirt I want. Is it actually? <laughs> no? What situations does it apply in none? But
0: Carter, I can put it. I can open up my Canva account and I can put it on a T-shirt in under five minutes. If we talk about
1: iconic boss lines, this is giving me like the the level of like light comedy, but mostly like hyper competence of Annabeth. That she is going up to a goddess and saying "poop yourself or no, poop yourself or no" is like the most
2: i'm gagged it's so it's so it is a day it's literally
1: it's it's a read it's a read she cleared with that one she she <laughs> wrapped her up cleared her forever like it's like
2: reminds me of like a Nini leaks read just, just just
1: it's so beautiful so scrumptious it she is amazing her up like it is that. um like perfectly crafted like the whole gag of course on top of all of this is that hebe's whole thing is that this is not just like a fun it's not like she's cersei like this is a trick that she has in her arsenal this is her whole thing she is about youth she's defeated by youth it's and very and like, thing to remember to do. it's sort of like <laughs> attacking someone's defeated you. Flaw. exactly i've defeated you because you committed to something too hard and you um were stupid And you need to learn a lesson about yourself.
0: It's like what Percy said in the previous chapters about how (laughs) gods can't learn new... They're like cats, they can't learn new tricks.
1: Exactly, exactly. This is something
0: she could choose not to do, but she's so stuck in her habits, like you said. She just wants to be the youngest person in the room. She doesn't have to be. But she's been doing this for a millennia, and it's hard for her to imagine not getting her way.
1: Yeah. Anyway, like, the chapter ends with Annabeth schooling this goddess, and we are about to get some juicy details about what all has been happening with the titular Chalice of the Gods next time. Wow.
0: You know what that means. It's time to ask a very important follow-up check-in question of our friend Ola. Ola, uh, do you think uh, Percibeth is the greatest love story of told? (laughs) <laughs> i think that
2: this book is for the Percy of f stands like as i've said before when i was reading this as a little kid like i was not picking up on the boyfriend girlfriend of percy <laughs> and <laughs> annabeth that much but rereading this one or just like reading this one for the first time there's so many moments where i'm like oh they love each other so much they just love each other and so, honestly, I would say this book. If I had to rate Persebeth, I would give it an eight point seven five out of ten, because they are very, very cute.
1: I love their love in this. Um, very cute. I'll Wrong. Seven out of eight. We love it.
0: <laughs> that was great. Thank you, everyone. We're getting so much better at time management. Come on, podcasting for three and a half years. Finally, uh, getting older, learning lessons. Uh, time is a good thing. Um, Ola, where can people find you online? Oh, actually, do you if you want to be found online, where can people find you online?
2: Okay. If not, Pat. as I'll say my disclaimer as always, you ha- you have to be eighteen to follow me. You have to be 18 (laughs) years old. I will follow you back and let you follow me if you are 18 years old. If you are not, please do not try. I am a stranger on the internet. You should not have an Instagram, let alone be following me with it. If you were under You're 18. are supposed to be
0: 18 years old to have an Instagram. But all of that to say, you can find me <laughs> at
2: Bayjerian on Instagram.
0: You can find us. I'm trying to remember to put our show, show's socials on here. So um, you can find us on Instagram at Seaweed Brain Podcast, on uh, Twitter at Seaweed Brain Pod, occasionally on TikTok. I believe the username is Erica.SeaweedBrain. And yeah, reminder that we have a Patreon. The link is in our show notes for that. Everybody applaud Ola retroactively for what I'm sure was a wildly entertaining karaoke performance Um, (laughs) back during spring break. We will see everybody next time.
1: Bye, y'all. Bye.